welcome. Thank you for choosing to listen to this spirit-filled word by David Entry. When you catch a word, you have caught God. May you catch a word today that will cause God to change your story. Be blessed. Well, Second Peter, Second Peter, chapter three. <laughs> We've crossed from chapter 2 to chapter 3. This second epistle, beloved, I now write unto you, in both which I stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance, that ye may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and the commandment of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior. Knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers, walking after their own lusts, and saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. For this they willingly are ignorant of, that by the word of God the heavens were of old and the earth standing out of the water and in the water, whereby the world that then was being overthrown with water perished. But the heavens and the earth, which are now, by the same word are kept in store, reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. But beloved, be not ignorant of this one thing, that one day is with the Lord as a thousand years, and a thousand years as one day. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to us what, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burnt up. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, what manner of person ought ye to be in all holy conversation and godliness, looking for and hasting unto the coming of the day of God, wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for a new heavens and a new earth, wherein dwells righteousness. Wherefore, beloved, seeing that ye look for such thing, be diligent that ye may be found of him in peace without sport and blameless. And account that the long-suffering of the Lord is salvation, even as our beloved brother Paul, also according to the wisdom given unto him, has written unto you. As also in all his epistles, speaking in them of these things, in which are some things hard to understand and unstable rest, as they do also the other scriptures unto their own destruction. Ye therefore, beloved, seeing ye know these things before, beware lest ye also be led away with the error of the wicked, fall from your own steadfastness. But grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord 
and Savior Jesus Christ, to whom be glory both now and forever. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. So, first Peter dealt with encouraging the believers to persevere in their walk with God in spite of suffering. Second Peter deals with warning us or inoculating us against infiltrations that can affect our spiritual lives or our walk with God. So, Second Peter starts in chapter 1 by talking about how we believers have to grow. A Christian must grow. And it speaks in depth on how we should go about our growth because of false teachers. And Second Peter tells us the qualifications or the characteristics and the manifestations and the behavior of the false teachers and the impact or um, the results of their lifestyle. And now we come to Second uh, Peter chapter 3, which continues to deal with the subject of the false teachers and their teachings. So 2 Peter chapter 2 talks about their behavior. Chapter 3 talks about their teachings. Now, what we just read, it says that this second passage, beloved, I write unto you, in both which I stir up your minds by way of remembrance. When you read some other translations, you use the word reminder. Okay, so um, the New King James says that, beloved, I now write to you this second epistle. In both, both talking about first and second, all right, both. In both of which I stir up your pure minds. That's a very interesting one. Your pure minds needs to be stirred up. How? By way of reminder. So he says that I just want to remind you in actually chapter one of second Peter, Verse 13, he speaks about how I mentioned it when we were in the chapter 1, about, yes, I think it's right, as long as I am in this tent, to do what? To stir you up. How do I do that? By reminding you. So human beings, when you study the text very carefully, or general scripture, you come across a remember or reminder, being reminded a few times. Because much as you might know, sometimes the more you know the truth, the more you forget about some things about the truth that you should know. Because you are going, some of us, you know, I know, okay, you, I know you are an engineer, but you forgot about some physics you studied in secondary school, even though you are still in the engineering field. There are more truths you have, you have studied than other ones you've forgotten. Many people, by the time they start working, they've forgotten about a lot of things they studied. <laughs> but in your Christian journey, in our Christian journeys, we are not supposed, to, we, you can't be safe if you forget about some things. Even though you know them, he said, I know you know them, but I want to stir up, you see, there are some things when you are reminded, it stirs you up. It stirs you up. There are key things that a believer must always be reminded. So it means that we must always keep referring to it in our teachings, like purity. It's good to be reminded to walk pure before God. Like prayer. It's good to be reminded to pray. Because how many of us have forgotten to pray before? Not even forgetting. It's like it doesn't become an active part of your lifestyle. It's good to be reminded to read your Bible. If you want to grow, if you want to grow, Hallelujah, read your Bible. But as you grow, you forget that you are supposed to read your Bible. There are a lot of believers who don't read their Bibles. A lot of Christian leaders 
who don't read their Bibles. Especially nowadays, you spend more time on social media than in the Bible. And you're a Christian leader. And it's not because you're a bad person. Your mind is pure. But just that is becoming too common. Many believers, as soon as you are idle, you take your phone. And guess what? It's not even email. Email might be to work or something. Straight to social media, Instagram, Facebook, Snapchat, and TikTok. So I, I want to take time to challenge people that, you see, it, it is not natural to gravitate towards the things of God. Anyone who behaves like, as for him, liking the things of God is natural to him. He's a hypocrite. You have seen a hypocrite. <laughs> none, of, none of us naturally, naturally. If you meet someone who smells very well, smells like lavender or smells lily, it means that it's not natural. He has, he has added something. She has, no, she has done something. She has applied. Yeah. Which, which eyelash have you ever seen touching his pedicles? So it, it, it's, it's not natural. <laughs> but what I'm saying is that it's not natural to, Bible says that we all as sheep have gone astray. Everyone, it's natural to be going astray. That is why law cannot bring you back on track. The reason why the law could not bring us back on track is by nature we go astray. It says that in Romans chapter 3, verse 11, it talks about none seeks after God. Yeah. None. none means none. Wow. None, none. So why do you think you seek out? Nobody, someone said, I mean, I was born a Christian. You are lying. You can't be born a Christian. The fact that your parents are Christians or parents are pastors or parents are bishops or parents are elders or have been in church, you were even, your mother was in labor in church, so they took her to the side and gave birth. It doesn't make you a Christian. Politically, they can say you're a Christian. You can be born a Muslim. You can be born a Hindu. You can be born a Jew because when you are born, you are circumcised, you are naturally uh, you know, or uh, uh, Judaism, into Judaism. But you cannot be born a Christian. Christianity is the only religion you cannot be born as a Christian. That is why it starts with being born again. You have to be born again because the first birth never makes anybody a Christian. You have to be born again. But there are people who think that even though I'm, I'm born again, so naturally I like God. Naturally, there are people who are pious in their looks. They look very pious. Hello. Some of them, some of them is even only in church. That's it. It's only in church they look the way they look. Some of you, am I not speaking the truth? You look nice and holy only in church. After church, you are almost like a devil. <laughs> devil when it comes to the way you treat your wife. You are almost like a devil when it comes to the way you treat your husband. You are almost like a devil when it comes to the way you treat your neighbors, your mother. Your mother is having heart attack or problems, high blood pressure because you are, it's almost like she's living with a devil at home. 
And the next time, shalom, 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 the devil's beginning, dogs. Some of us, when you start praying, your wife only smelled. And people are with you, but they say, they can't say because they are commitment to you, but they say in their head, if the, only if these people knew who this girl is. Only if people knew who this man is. Every one of us are still a work in progress. But don't stay at that one level. And the problem is when you carouse in broad daylight. Grow up! So don't, nobody should assume that I am naturally spiritual. The flesh naturally moves away from God. If you live as by default, it's just like if anyone does not brush. By default, it doesn't matter what food, expensive food you have eaten. <laughs> by default, you, 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 by default, if you don't wash, you, you decay. That, that, that's that everything. By default, if you don't attend to your garden, it grows weed. Some people, when you see their garden, you are wondering, is this a garden or a forest? <laughs> a jungle. <laughs> well, just, that's how life is. And so, by default, if you don't put yourself under the pressure or you don't put the systems in place, you would never read your Bible. You won't read it. I know you have different fat Bibles, but you don't read them. Today, Joshua chapter 8, we, people won't read. You read. Job said, I've treasured your word more than my necessary food. I've treasured. So when I wake up first thing before breakfast, I'm thinking about the word. 23, 12. You are thinking about why am I struggling with temptation? Because you are you are not receiving nourishment from his word. If you don't, you will struggle with temptation. It's not that you are not a good Christian. But the strength comes from your inner man. Now, if your inner man is weakened, is malnourished, tell me how you'll be able to fight. You can't fight. And you see yourself stumbling and stumbling and stumbling. You are still thinking about Leroy. Tunde. He's been on your mind. All. Meanwhile, you are trying to say, I don't know, Pastor, I don't know why this comes. Now you have taken it into a dream. And I said, Pastor, I don't know why I'm struggling with lust. I'm struggling with this. I'm, I don't know why I'm not a good Christian. No, 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 no. Even the fact that you are worried about it is a good sign. Because some people, they are not worried about anything. <laughs> they are not worried about anything. The fact that you are concerned and worried about your sinful state, your polluted state, is a good sign. That at least there is still the seed of God in you. Bible says that the spirit of God, Christ in our heart, Abba, Father, because he has sons, he has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts. Galatians 4, 6, which Christ, Abba, Father, Abba, Father, Abba, Father. So you can't feel comfortable in sin. When you feel comfortable in sin and sinning and going on, something is wrong. Now, the point I'm making is that reading your Bible doesn't come naturally. Praying doesn't come naturally except you're in trouble. In fact, when you're in trouble, prayer is natural.
because it's just natural for anyone to reach out for help in times of crisis. All right, so prayer is natural. But you see, what makes your prayer life effective is your Bible life. Your Bible life and your word life is what gives your prayer impetus, gives it meaning. When you begin to pray, you are praying from your spirit, not from your mind. Because most of the prayers are made from the soul. Based on what we are afraid of, what we are worried about, from your soul. But your, it, it's your spirit. The Bible says that we communicate, God is a spirit. So to relate with God, it must be from the spirit. In Romans chapter 1 verse 9, he said, I serve God in my spirit. You have to transact with God from your spirit. Because John chapter 3 verse 6, for whatever is born of the flesh is flesh. Yes. But whenever it's born of the Spirit, if you want to have a meaningful prayer life, then you must have a meaningful Bible life. Bible life. It's foundational. And so, for us to focus on reading the Bible, sometimes, how many of you have attempted to read your Bible and fell asleep? Or you were reading? Some of you have never, maybe you have not been reading, that's why. But it does happen. It does happen. You can stay awake doing so many things till you want to read your Bible. Some of us have pages in your Bible that are, that are torn because you slept on it. <laughs> torn. But it's, it's, it's a sign of a, a, a Christian fighting to march on. Yeah, <laughs> because like a soldier who has got some scars or wounds, it's a sign that that's, that's you, you know what I'm saying? So, but naturally, it doesn't come. So you have to take the time and the trouble to keep yourself spiritually fit. <laughs> I'm reading, I think, as Philip's translation in First um, Timothy chapter 4, verse 7 and 8. It talks about how one of the translations says, take the time and the trouble. When it says, exercise yourself unto godliness. One translation says, take the time and the trouble to keep yourself spiritually fit. So you have to put in the work. You have to put in the work. A pastor can't do it for you. Your husband can't do it for you. Your wife can't do it for you. They can challenge you to do it. So you are, that's where association comes in handy. Don't be a Christian and you are dating someone who is not interested in God. It will have a definite impact on your eternal life. It will. You might not, it doesn't matter, it doesn't matter now, but it will matter later. The ultimate, what matters most in life will be affected. It will be affected. But I'm not getting anybody. I'm not getting anybody. So the fact that you are not getting water to drink, doesn't mean you should drink from the toilet bowl. Yeah. So that's not an excuse. The fact that you don't have money doesn't mean you should steal. So let's not rob Peter to pay Paul. Don't justify the end by the means. So then it's important that everyone must strive. Strive. By personal development, reading your Bible, reading your Bible, and then engaging in prayer. A lot of things that will account for your spiritual well-being don't come naturally. That's why people, sometimes people find it easy not to do church. They find it easy not to do church. But later on, life will do them. Yeah. That's why I always appeal to people, don't leave church. Because you will come back wounded, shattered, scattered, and battered depending on how long it takes you. If you come in early, a few much will be re- can be rescued. Yeah. But if you come in very late, after you've gone to marry that drug dealer, that drug pusher, and you have 
three children, and your children have seven steps, different steps. And they're always fighting and all that, and the man is not abusive guy. So many, and then now another man has come, his friends say, like you, and they are mad. Everything. After everything, you arrive, arrive in church, you know, you are 40, but you look like you are 60. Tired in life. Then we can tell you, we sh- you should have listened to us and not to have said, even though we are still interested because you are one of us. We still celebrate you. When you come, we will embrace you. But we all know that you have come back with losses, like Naomi. He said, no, no, don't call me now. Call me Mara. I went out full, but I'm coming back empty. You should have stayed in Jerusalem and not to have gone to Moab. So it is always important that we will be reminded. You know, some of the things I'm saying, yeah, I said you should be reminded and read your Bible, praying, Giving, giving is not a charismatic thing. All, all these churches is all about giving, giving. That's what your mind has been programmed to think. Maybe because of some bitter experiences in some places. One service, four offering, first offering, before the praise and worship. After praise and worship, okay, it's time for us to take our second. But why don't you take them once? So some people, they, when they come, they, they, are, they are 20 pounds. He makes sure he changes five, 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 five. <laughs> because he said, this church, they think they are smarter than me. I will change them. <laughs> First offering, second offering, third offering, fourth offering. And then when they finish, then we say, okay, now, anyone who is believing God for, bring an offering. Hey. So you see, <laughs> you've suffered many things in the hands of many people. And so because of that, people develop a negative attitude towards giving. But giving is living. What, what kind of worship are you purporting to offer to God? Which doesn't include giving. Oh, I give my life away. No, your life, you know, is a lot. There's a lot in your mind. <laughs> Oh, I'm there. I'll do anything for God. I'll do anything for God, but not giving. <laughs> Worship that does not include giving is not authentic. It's not authentic. So, giving, praying, serving. You have to be reminded the reason why you are in the choir not to get a husband. You're not there. So, a potential husband might spot you. Yeah. I mean, there are people who have joined the choir. For that reason. People are in it for all kinds of reasons, and that we can never stop it. Some of us, the truth is, you even do it the right way. Then later on, your nature sets in. You know, so it's it's natural with human beings. Every now and then, for us to fall back. Because can you imagine, last week you made some plans that now this is what I'm going to do. Within two days. So then it says that, he said that I want to stir up your mind by way of reminder. We must be reminded about some things regularly, over, over, over. I need to stir up your mind. In chapter, chapter 1, verse 13, I like that one. It says that I know you know these things, uh, but said, yet I think it's right as long as I'm in this tent, I'm in this body, as long as I remain your pastor. He said to stir up your mind by reminding you. So some of these things I'm saying, much as some of it we would love, about it. The key thing, I'm trying to remind you about the essential nature of setting things in your life. 
like the things I've just mentioned earlier. We need to be reminded. We need to be reminded. And then look at the verse 2. Verse 2 says that, thank you, Jesus. Oh, it says that, that ye may be mindful of the, that that ye may be mindful. Say mindful. Mindful. Look at uh, Jude 17. It says that, but you, beloved, remember the, oh, man. Remember what? There are some words you shouldn't forget. Remember. Now, that phrase that says you may be mindful, other translations say that you may remember. That you, I think, uh, new, uh, okay, New Living Translation says that. I want you to remember. Remember. Be mindful. In Second Peter, chapter 1, verse, we read earlier on verse uh, 13. I think let's shoot to verse 12 and go all the way down to 15. Second Peter, chapter 1. I just meant, uh, verse 13 said to stir up your minds. You know, look at that, verse 12. Verse 12 says that, for this reason, I will not be negligent to remind you how, how often, always of these things, though, though you know and are established in the present truth. You know the present truth. There are truths you know, and you are establishing them. But I need to remind you. Verse 13, that's what we read earlier on, to stay up your mind. Verse 14, verse 14, knowing that shortly I will put off the stent. You know, we are passing. We don't have time. Let's cut to the chase. We don't have time. I'm passing. He said, Jesus has showed me I'm passing, so I have to remind you. Look at the next verse. Moreover, I'll be careful to ensure that you always have a reminder of these things after I've left. So even in my absence, the way we have drummed this thing in, it becomes natural to you. Do you always remember? So let's look at the verse 2 again. It says that, that he may be mindful of the Worse. Say worse. Say worse. But what words are we supposed to remember? What words are we supposed to be mindful of? The words spoken before, oh, oh, by the holy prophets. That's interesting. The holy, first of all, look at the verse 5 and then the verse 7, then we'll come back. For this they willingly are ignorant of. That by the word of God, the heavens. So, so they are ignorant of what? Something the word of God is saying. And they will come to that. The ignorance is willing. It's willing ignorance. Willful ignorance. Said by the, look at verse 7. They are ignorant of the word of God. But, but the heavens and the earth, which are now, by what? The same word. So he's pointing us to a word. The word. The word, it says that, verse 2 again, that ye might be mindful of the words. The words, we understand from the words how well the world was created. We understand from the word or the words how the world is going to end. These words, I want you to be mindful of these words. A Christian must be mindful of the word of God. When you are thirsty... When you are hungry, when you are under pressure, when you are excited, don't forget what the word of God has got to say about your current and your incumbent situation. Don't forget, be mindful of the word. That is what actually determines the quality of your Christianity. Not the way you shout and not how often you attend church. How often you attend church is not a pointer of the solidity of your Christianity. How loud you pray and you scream is noise. How many songs you know in church? 
and how many scriptures you can quote is not a sign of how solid Christian you are, but how much of the word can be on your mind in any situation. How much of the word of God is on your mind as you treat your wife, as you behave, or you treat your husband, as you raise your children, as you, as you go to work, as you drive on the road. How much of the word is on your mind, which you are not forgetful of, but you are mindful of, is a sign of your Christianity. It's a sign of your Christianity. No, no, how much? The constant platitude, cliche, and this jargon. The Lord told me. The Lord is telling me. The Lord, and they, they move it into the realm of a personal thing. This, this whole thing is between just you and God. And God, you know what? I don't want my Christianity to be about anybody. Uh, is it, is it, is it, a hypocrite is beginning to, call, to talk. A hypocrite. Because people will hold you accountable. People will challenge you on your claims. So then to take it away from accountability, you said this was between God and me. And maybe it's just personal. It's just personal. It's just personal. It's just, personal. It's, just it's a fake, fake now, fake. Wow. <laughs> so how much of the word of God is on your mind is what shows how much you agree. Not your title in church. Not your title in church or your function in church. Elder that, bishop that, minister that. Prophet that, and pastor that, apostle that. Mm. People love titles mm. because they seem to think it validates their spirituality and how, how ogbo they are in the things of God. Titles are, they are pointless. There are no entitlement. Titles are just for functioning within the church. But there are people who are, haven't you heard about, the truth is some of you read your Bible more than your cell leaders. It's true. Many cell leaders here know what I'm talking about. You read, there, there, there are people who might be pastors and you have read your Bible more than them in a month, in a week. And there are some, there are some people who might have titles but their threshold and their heartbeat for God is lower than somebody who might not have a title but has a very sensitive, a high threshold and heartbeat for God. Yeah. So then your heartbeat for God determines what, what, what temptation you are able to overcome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. One of the things that helps is when you have a safe zone. Safe zone will mitigate severely what temptations you get exposed to. Yeah. Because not every temptation you might survive. Uh-huh. Yeah, some of you know what I'm talking about. A lot of temptations you might not survive because of your particular proclivity. You are inclined a certain way. If someone brings some financial deals, even though it's dodgy, you are likely to fall for it. You are inclined a certain way. If you see a lady around you, just the two of you, and you are traveling somewhere, you will begin to chat her. You are, you are, you are, you are a chatterbox when it comes to some things. <laughs> they will floor you within minutes. <laughs> One time. <laughs> so then it's always good as a Christian to be responsible of your environment. The environment you create, you allow to grow around you because it's important. Now, besides that, some people might be in a safe environment, so they might be making a lot of noise. I don't do this. I can't steal. But someone is, is let's say, you used to have a problem with alcoholism, and now you are, you are still working in the pub because you don't have... And you ended up, or you went to a party, maybe somebody's birthday party, and you, <laughs> and you went and drank. 
and wedding reception. And then they put the music on the stage. <laughs> and <laughs> you forget. <laughs> it took you. And I mean, I'm talking about a song that is not even decent. And you have lost some certain of comportment. Certain level of comportment. Why? Because of the environment you expose yourself. And then this other person who is a minister sees you and then begins to say, this one is a hypocrite. I touch the denim lizard. Look at what he did. <laughs> you are no one invited them to party. <laughs> The point I'm trying to make is this. It's very easy to judge your spirituality relatively, in line with somebody else. Stop comparing yourself to others and compare yourself to Jesus. So, so every one of us, oh, this is a, a strong statement. None of us is safe. None of us, tell someone, I'm not safe. Tell someone you are not safe. He that thinks he stands, let him be careful lest he falls. First Corinthians. Yeah. First Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12. You are not safe. Therefore, let him that thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. Galatians chapter 6, verse 1. He says that, brethren, if any one of you is overtaken by a fault, so that means anyone can be overtaken by a fault. That's why when Christian, you find out about something that has happened to another Christian, shut your mouth and get into prayer for them. Pray for them. And no Christian is, is, is supposed to, I'm making an absolute and very, very destructive statement. No Christian is supposed to go so on, online and add your voice to an, uh, uh, something about another Christian that people are talking about. Add your, don't, uh, as long as once you find out he's a Christian, refrain, no comment. No comment. No comment. No comment. Why, why did she do that to her husband? No comment. I don't say it's right. I don't agree with that. But I can't, I can't conclude why. No comment. He said, if any one of you is overtaking, it's a fault. Let those of you claim spirituality. Your science, one of the clearest signs of spirituality is when you step in to see how you can help the one who has you overtaken. That's a sign of spirituality. It's in the Bible you claim you read. Pastor, elder, especially those who, I don't understand these people, they don't go to church, but they're always online attacking Christians and attacking pastors and churches. But you don't go to church. He said, that's why I don't go to church, because you are not a serious Christian. You are not a, you are, you are living a malnourished and a, you are living an, a substandard Christian life if you are not part of a church. Let me tell you, you are living a substandard Christian life if you are not part of a church. Let me tell you, read the Bible. There's no way in the New Testament that knows anybody like you. You're kind of Christian. It's, it's, it's not New Testament. It's not New Testament. It's not New Testament. Perhaps the Christianity you claim to be practicing is, is uh, non-New Testament. It's maybe Jebusite. Jebusites. You are a Jebusite, a Canaanite, a Hittite, an Amalekite, or a Philistine. <laughs> if anyone is overtaken with a fault, let him who is spiritual. 
Ye which are spiritual, restore some. Prove your spirituality by restoring them. Prove yours. It's not that me, I didn't do some. No problem. It's not the doing some that we are talking about. Your spirituality will bring restoration to those who have done some. Your spirituality. Are you spiritual? Are you spiritual? Why do we why do we take so much joy and so much we speak about like those who brought the woman caught in adultery to Jesus in John chapter 8, verse 6. Bible says that yeah, Jesus, this one was caught in adultery in the very act. The, the excitement, verse 4. Teacher, this woman was caught in adultery. How? And they leave the adultery, but they went further in the very what do they mean by that? It looked like they were excited talking about somebody's problem. They were excited talking about that problem. Excited talking about what that lady has done. She has committed fornication. Now she's pregnant. Hey, hmm. All the time he's been coming to church and dancing. Hey, that's what is happening. Hey, 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 hey. And that, that, that is your excitement. It's bringing you so much excitement. Really? I fear for the kind of Christianity you are practicing. No, seriously. Why does someone's demise bring you so much excitement? Pastor! Why is it that negative news about another pastor becomes now you have a message? You feel now you, you, you feel vindicated and validated. Feel vindicated and validated. There's a problem with your heart. There definitely is. But maybe you have not been reminded of the words of the Lord Jesus Christ. So someone needs to remind you. You are not permitted to rejoice in the demise of somebody, even if it's an enemy. The Bible teaches us that. Yeah. that. Don't rejoice when your enemy falls. Wow. Lest the Lord sees it and turns his anger away from them. Wow. In the book of Proverbs. Mm. So we shouldn't rejoice. When someone falls, Proverbs 24, verse 17. Yeah, do not rejoice when your enemy falls. Let alone when your brother. Ah! Christians must rise to put. He that is, see, why am I into this thing? He which is spiritual among you, let us restore, restore such a one. Watch this. Restore such an one in the spirit of meekness. Humility. You are not saying, oh, you see, I'm trying to help you. No, no, no. You are, you are doing it with such, such respect. And you are, listen, you are helping somebody. Help the person and don't temper with their dignity. Don't let them feel they've lost dignity. Sometimes somebody has done something so humiliating, so distasteful, so disgraceful, and you comes on the scene and you are dealing with the person, and the person never feels like they've even lost respect because of your graceful way of handling them. The graceful way with which you are handling somebody's negativity or somebody's nakedness, which you have seen. You, are hand you see it by that, it's not a problem. It's not a problem. No problem, like, like someone who has a bad uh, breath. Sometimes, depending on who the person is, you are talking, but you, you endure it like that, so there's nothing. <laughs> there, there's nothing. There's nothing. You're just praying your head, Lord, have mercy. <laughs> you hold your breath after a few seconds. You have to breathe back, but oh my goodness. Some of it, it can cut straight. In. It's like they put gas in your nose. <laughs> With the spirit of meekness, considering yourself. Huh? Considering yourself? Why? Unless you yourself are also tempted. Those who like talking about a church's problem, their church will also get problem. 
the pastors who celebrate the problem of, ah, you see those, that pastor, and you are mentioning, this pastor, he's been caught in adultery, he's going to drink alcohol, he has entered the hotel room of a woman, and you are happy about that? You are happy for that? Your own is just around the corner. That's what the scripture says, lest you be tempted. Remind them of these things. Remind them of these things. We are all Christian in one church, and none of us is perfect. So one of the days, you might see something, a behavior that might be very, um, very bad. You know, you can't help the person, please don't do that. Unless you see the person an unbeliever, and no, no, no. when they begin to say, there's nothing wrong in me slapping my child or my wife in public, there's nothing wrong, then that one he has moved out of, you know, you are trying to help the brother into a brother who's gone off. So it's a, it's, we are dealing with a philosophy. We are dealing with a, a mindset, not a person. In that sense, I don't know if you understand what I'm saying. You are dealing, sometimes the mindset must be attacked. You can't do that. I disagree with you. When it comes to doctrines, belief system, we, ha- we are permitted to challenge one another because we are supposed to fight for the faith, contending for the faith. So we are supposed to challenge one another. Now, no, this, this thing you are believing is wrong. I disagree with you. We can argue on it. I, I, will, never, I will never be on your side on this matter, even though I don't, I don't hate you. Yeah. But this is wrong. You have to stop it. You have to stop it. You can't be doing drugs and still be in church and say that there's nothing wrong. No, if you are struggling, say, I'm struggling. But don't say there's nothing wrong. Yeah. I mean, you can't sit in places and be watching everything on your phone yeah, yeah, and you say there's yeah. nothing wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. All right. So, back to the text. I, I, I think I'll end on the verse too. Is that okay? Is that okay? I, was, I couldn't wait to go to the, the verse 3. It's loaded with some stuff there. Scoffers. Oh, and I want to talk about the last days. Wow. Scoffers, the last days. But time will not permit. Would you, would you, are you interested in next week? Yes. Uh, okay. So let's finish in the verse two. Yes. It says that, that ye may be mindful of the words. Three areas of spiritual authority. Number one, the prophets, spoken by the prophets. The prophets. So when, we, when it comes to Christianity, what the prophets have said, hey, thank you, Jesus. I have to just make it clear. When I say prophets, I don't mean someone who calls himself prophet, please. That's not what I mean. Jesus said in Luke chapter 24, verse 25, foolish one and slow have to believe. What? All that the prophets have. Now, this, this is the prophets I'm talking about. So most of the time when you come and you are reading the New Testament and you come across this, this word, prophets, or the phrase, the prophets, it's not talking about anyone who is calling himself prophet. It's talking about scripture, okay, written by the prophets, scriptures given to us, like in Romans chapter 1, verse 2. It says that who God promised before through his prophets where? So you see, you see what we are talking about when we talk about the prophets? God promised through his prophets in the Holy... So talking about what the Holy Scriptures have said. That's, so anytime they made a reference, the prophets, they meant what the Holy Scriptures have said. Does that make sense? So God prophesied through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures. God 
prophesied through his prophets in the holy scriptures. So Jesus said, why is it, no, he said, why are you slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have said? And then verse 27, and Bible says that from Moses, beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he began to explain, expound to them where? In all the scriptures. So he's talking about the prophets in the scriptures. That's very important. And in the verse 44, Bible says that he opened their mind in verse 44. Then these are the way which I spoke unto you whilst I was still with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and the prophets. So when you come across the prophets talking about the scriptures, the prophetic writings that normally is divided into three, the prophets, the Psalms, and Moses. Moses has to do with laws and instructions. Prophets have to do with the prediction about the coming of the Christ. And then the Psalms has to do with all the other writings, the stories, and the wise sayings and everything. So these are the three categories of the Old Testament. And usually it can, be, it can all be classified under the prophets. The prophets. The prophets. So God spoke in with the, to the prophets. Luke chapter one, verse seventy. I like Luke chapter. It says that, and he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets, who have been since the world began. So you can see God has always spoken through the Hebrews chapter one, verse one. Hebrews chapter one. God. Oh, I like this one. You remember? Shall we already out from the screen? I like when we read the Bible. Let's go. Did you see that? God, in various times, various ways, spoke in times past to our fathers by the prophets. By the prophets. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 20, it talks about how we are being built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. In Ephesians chapter 3, verse 5 and verse 6, verse 5 particularly, has been revealed by the Spirit to his holy apostles and prophets. Now, I've brought in the prophets and apostles because in 2 Peter, as we are reading, you can see that he made reference to the apostles. So in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 2 again, it says that, that ye may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandments of us, the apostles of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, the way this has been rendered, it might miss something because many texts have rendered it like this. But the New American Standard Version, N-A-S-B, that you should Remember the words spoken beforehand by the holy prophets and the commandments of our Lord and Savior spoken by the So three categories. So what the gospel say about Jesus Christ? For instance, blessed are the poor in spirit. These are things that Jesus taught. He says that it's, it's been said. Um, Matthew chapter 5, I think you like that one. Verse 28. I think it will be very relatable to most of us here. <laughs> Is it not relatable? <laughs> Look at verse 27. Verse 27. You have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not commit adultery. Now let me just digress a bit and explain something. Jesus said, when you read most of it, you hear anytime Jesus said, it is said, but I say. There's a difference between it is written. He never made any correction about it is written. Most of the it is written was referring to the scripture. 
most of it is said was referring to the rabbinic tradition. The rabbis had tradition. So they added and they, so if the Bible says that thou shalt not steal, then they will add it and say, that's not, don't look at someone's item that is lying. You know, so they add, so it became a tradition and they, they bunched all. So people were, it's like, not free to live a life. So anytime you see Jesus saying, it is said, he was about to correct something that has become, has been passed down as though it's the word of God. So he said, it is said, that shall not come, even though that shall not come in adultery is the word of God. They have taken it in a certain context that was a problem. And he says that, don't look at a woman to last. You understand that? He said, don't look at a woman to last because if you do that, you have already done it. So can you imagine in the mind of God, in the plan of God, or in the calendar of God, or in the timetable of God, the number of people who have committed? <laughs> yeah. A lot of people. A lot of people, I'm telling you. So you are busy, you are busy talking about somebody's actions, and God is busy trying to get your attention to your personal intentions and desires. Someone is singing in the choir, and you're already singing. Somebody's busily preaching, and you're singing. Somebody's busily doing uh, acting, a drama, and you're singing. That's why I am of the opinion, that's why I'm of the opinion that when we come to church, especially people who serve in church and are walking are always being seen, we must present ourselves in a way that the first thing that comes to mind is not how sexy you are, how hot you are. We have to be mindful what we are projecting, especially in the atmosphere of church, because we are coming to look for God. You know, he said that offenses will come, temptation will come, but woe be, don't be the woe one uh, amongst us. So then it's important, Jesus, the, so okay, now three categories, the prophets and the things Jesus said and what the apostles have said. In Second Peter chapter one, verse one, and First Peter chapter one, Second Peter chapter one, verse one, it says that Simon Peter, a born servant and what? An apostle of Jesus Christ. And now look at what he's saying in the chapter three, verse two, that we want you to be mindful of the words which are spoken before by the holy prophets and of the commandments of us, the apostles. So he's saying that, watch, this is the point I want to make. He's saying that the prophets have spoken. You don't joke with what the prophets say. Every Jewish person knows that. They, that time they didn't have New Testament. And their Bible was what the prophets have said. And now Peter was writing and he introduced himself as an apostle. And now, when he, after he introduced himself as an apostle, he's saying that what I'm telling you, don't forget the things that the prophets and the apostles are saying to you. So he elevates the status of the apostles into scripture. Because the Bible says in chapter 1, chapter 1, verse 19, about how uh, we have a short word of prophecy. The way, and then it says that verse 20, 21, that holy prophets were moved by God. Or the prophets did not come in old times by the will of man, but holy men of God speak as the Holy Spirit moved them. The verse 20 is, is where he spoke about. Okay. Yeah. It says that. First of all, that no prophecy of scripture, see, no prophecy. The prophets prophesied, but they were moved. And now he's telling them that what the scriptures have said, what I'm saying is also at the, at the level of scripture and at the level of what Jesus has said. So that's what, when, we mean, when they say apostles in those times, that's what we meant. So these apostles, we don't have them again. Because nobody can bring anything else that can be at power with scripture. But those 12 apostles, Jesus gave them the audacity to speak scripture. Yeah. 
So what you read there, verse 16, it talks about how people who are not learned, they struggle with the things that Paul have said to their own heads. And he says that what, as they do other scriptures. So he's saying that Apostle Paul says that, see, speaking in them of these things, in which are some things hard to understand, which untaught and unstable people twist to their own destruction as they do the rest of scripture. Look at verse 15. It's, this is talking about what Paul has said. Verse 15 says that, and consider that the long suffering of the Lord Jesus Christ salvation as also our beloved brother Paul, didn't say Apostle Paul, our beloved brother Paul, according to the wisdom given to you, has written. And he said, this thing that Paul has written, some people misquote and use to their heads as they do other scriptures. So what Paul has written is scripture. So then when we talk about apostles in the Bible, they continue in the apostles' doctrine. There are a lot of apostles. I'm apostle this, apostle this, apostle this. No problem, no problem. But it's different from apostle Paul. It's different from apostle Peter. Those ones carry, when they spoke, Jesus has spoken. When they spoke, it was at level of what Moses has said. When they spoke, it was at at par with what Isaiah has said. When they spoke, they spoke scriptures. That's why we, Bible says that we have been built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. Because when they spoke, it's the foundation of our, our belief. That's why they have to continue in the apostles' doctrine. Not in the same way that uh, someone calls himself prophet today. Someone calls himself, but sometimes it gets mangled up. That you believe in Elijah. Why won't you believe in me? You believe in Isaiah. If, uh, please, please, Jesus quoted Isaiah, he didn't quote you. Hallelujah. So, the three areas of spiritual authority for the church. Number one is the, the prophets. Two, Jesus Christ, the gospels, the things he said. And three, what the apostles say. Those are where our authority comes from. Whatever we do, anything you do as a Christian, if it cannot be justified from these, it is not Christian. It is not Christian. It must be justified. If it is contrary to anything the prophets have said, contrary to anything Jesus has said, contrary to anything the apostles have said, forget it, it's not Christian. It's not Christian. So the one who said, I don't do church, prove it to me from the apostles, from Jesus, or from the prophet, and then before we believe it. It doesn't matter. Nowadays, people judge the weight of what is said by who said it. Not by scripture and not not by the weight of the statement. Truth in our day is judged by who said it. Who said it? A celebrity said it, so it's true. A journalist said it, so it's true. A a, a lecturer said it, so it's true. But another lecturer who doesn't believe in, or who is not liked, he will say something, even though it's true, they'll say, no. They are not interested in knowing what has been said. They want to know who said it first. That is how our world has now become. And it has spread into everything, into general life, issues of life, major issues of life regarding childcare, regarding marriage, regarding social life, regarding spiritual life, regarding everything. It's who says it that determines whether it's true or not. And I think we have to grow. Christians, our final authority is the word of God. And if it's the word of God, then it must agree with what the prophets said, what, the, what Jesus said, and what the apostles have said. And we don't have to forget these things, else we are operating in danger and error. In Jesus' name. Did you receive something? Thank you for listening to this message by David Entry. When God speaks, works show. And the works will surely show in your life. To hear more from David Entry, follow him on Facebook, Instagram,
Instagram, Twitter, LinkedIn, and subscribe to Caris Church on YouTube. Don't forget to share and subscribe to our podcast so you're always up to date. Be blessed.